Let's see what happens here. Ooh, that is not good. Oh my God. <laughs> good Lord, I can't roll for shit. Woo, three. I think that's good. But remember, we're really good at making games harder than they need to be. Hello, and welcome to House Rules, the podcast that explores all things rules-related with your favorite tabletop games. Questions, clarifications, best, worst, and some that just need a tweak. So join us as we explore the House Rules. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of House Rules, a proud member of the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast network. I am Commander Scott. Joining me today, we have a full crew once again with uh, the presence of Jeremiah, Houston, and those towering ladies of gaming, Jamie B and Jamie E. Everyone, how are we doing today? Wonderful. Doing well. Yep. Great day. Cool. See what I did with the towering thing there? See? Yeah. I liked it. So, it was nice. Uh, what, what'd you do? I didn't catch it. So, uh, we'll, we'll just say you were clever. How's that? <laughs> so I the, feel the, very short to be so towering. <laughs> well, the reason I threw the towering in is because we have a very special guest with us today. We have one of the designers of uh, Return to Dark Tower from Restoration Games. Uh, uh, came out this year, 2022. Uh, I would like to welcome Mr. Noah Cohen. Uh, Noah, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you? I am well. Thank you very much for joining us and, and chatting about this wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, uh, we, we, we got our copy in about, what, two weeks ago? Something like that? I think. Yeah, seems, seems right. About two weeks. Since then, we've played like 12 games is what we've nice. been able to play. And uh, our current uh, win-to-loss ratio is... One to eleven. Well, I I still consider it a loss. It was it was it was weird. Uh, so we, we we had an issue. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. I, I'll let uh, uh, I'll let Noah do his thing, and and if he would give us kind of we'll, we'll start with kind of the background of the game and uh, you know where it came from, and as far as you know when when he hopped on board and and how it how it came to be, if that's okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, quick quick aside about me. I'm uh, one of the designers and developers at Restoration Games. Uh, our general modus operandi is to take out-of-print uh, games from the earlier decades and give them a little bit of a rules refurbishment, some new paint, some new uh, art, and, and re-release them into the wild to be enjoyed by new generations. Um, Very nice. Yeah, so specifically... Uh, I actually started working on Return to Dark Tower before I joined Restoration full-time. Uh, and this would have been early in 2019. And at that time, actually, the game had already been uh, under design. Um, Isaac Childress was still working on it at this point uh, before he handed off his designs to us. Um, and let's just say the game looked very different then. Uh, you know, any game that gets worked on for over three years is going to uh, go through some changes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we've been working on it for, um, like I said, more than three years. And it's been it's been going through uh, a lot of interesting iterations over that time. So uh, what in particular are you interested in? I'd be happy to talk about any of it. Well, I mean, so the game is a, a restoration of uh, the original, the, the first board game was just called Dark Tower, came out in 1981, uh, mm -hmm. and actually, I did not play this game growing up. I, I played this game for the first time uh, in 2019, like a month or two before the Kickstarter happened, mm -hmm. uh, specifically, I think, it was, I think it was either late September, early October 2019. Uh, one of the local game conventions that we, we do here, um, somebody uh, had it out on the, the, the table, uh, and, and I got a chance to jump in on it. And overall, it was, it, it was very fun. I, I, I loved it. And of course, I loved it so much that when you all kickstarted, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm jumping on this. Um, so I guess, uh, I, I guess where we should start in, in the design and development, like, um, when you when you approached this, what aspects of the original, you know, was was concrete had to be in the new, 
and where could you fit, you know, the new stuff in and around, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So I like to joke that our goal at Restoration is to make games uh, that are as fun now as you remember them being uh, <laughs> back when you first played them. Uh, because not to be disparaging of, of some of the older games, but board game design and board game playing have come quite a ways in the past 50 years. And some games that really may have held your, your attention uh, back when you were 12 or, or 10 or not even born yet, uh, maybe don't quite do the trick uh, these days. Um, not that they don't still have a hook, and that's what we really like to see. So the, the games that we try to uh, refurbish are the ones that have something that can leave you telling a story. Um, you know, if you don't remember playing the game 20 years later, then that's probably not a prime target for a restoration. But Return to Dark Tower has uh, an incredible pr- table presence um, and had a few elements that were evocative. And we wanted to dial up the how, how evocative they were while bringing down some of the bookkeeping that was necessary uh, or even integral to the original. So it goes without saying that the most concrete part of Return to Dark Tower as a reiteration of Dark Tower would be the Dark Tower. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm holding one right in front of me. Um, the, the original uh, is about two inches shorter than, uh, the, than the refurbished one, and that measurement sounds uh, off the cuff, but we actually did want to make sure that our tower was not smaller than the old tower. Yeah. Uh, that was a literal... Uh, spec in in the engineering uh requirements uh ours has to be bigger (laughs) it it did it it had to be bigger and it had to do some rotating because when you tell stories about dark tower when you were playing it back then uh one of the the primary things that you would say that would get someone to think oh i've got to play that was there's this giant tower in the middle of the table and it rotates Mm -hmm. and so what what we try to do is find those hooks that really make the game stand out, that give it a table presence, that give it uh, an element of wanting to tell stories about your experience with it, and latch onto those, and a lot of the rest can 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 move around and still be evocative of the original. Um, and we can talk a little bit later about some of the things that we did to give little touchstones and nods to some of the original's uh, aspects that don't reflect themselves in the rules uh, per se, but are instead in the aesthetics. Uh, so yeah, the, the the primary thing that we wanted to to make sure we had was the tower. Um, the also uh, the round game board was another notable um, table presence element. Uh, but then we also wanted to make sure that we evoke the the fantasy epic questness of it, because not only do you have these physical elements of a round uh, board and a giant tower that rotates in the middle of the table, but you're also ostensibly going on this quest to gather warriors and treasures and make your way to the center of the tower where you're going to do battle against uh, the tower and its denizens to be the first to conquer it. And we we needed to make sure that we were delivering on that front. Um, now, the specifics of how we delivered that were all subject to change. We pretty early came on to the idea that we really wanted this to be a co-op instead of competitive. We later added in a competitive mode, but the initial design of Return to Dark Tower was as a cooperative game. Uh, a lot of games that have come out since, you know, many iterations of various role-playing games uh, and and most of the other campaign board games that you're familiar with have an element of co-op in them, that you are a, a troop of, of uh, explorers or adventurers that are going and conquering evil together. And uh, we really wanted to help evoke that because we think that that allows us to lean on some stuff that really emphasizes that the tower is the evil thing and everyone else has to band together to, to defeat it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those were, those were the primary touchstone elements, a quest, a tower, some circular board and, and a rotation. Um, and everything else kind of could, could fall by the wayside for now, at least to, to really build that part up. Um, so that, those were the core elements there. Um, what else? Well, I mean, yeah, just, uh, uh, I, I don't know. I think uh, of all of us here, I think I'm the only one that, that played the original. Did Has anyone else ever played the original? I have, but, like, in the 80s. So so my memory is a little sketchy there. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, yeah, uh, Noah, one thing you touched on there was uh, that you tried to take out uh, of the original was some of the bookkeeping, you know, mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And uh, I, for one, am very glad uh, of, of the way you all did that because the when I first played it, like I said, I didn't play it as a kid. I, I played it just uh, a few years ago. But uh, you had to be Johnny on the spot in, in watching those numbers spit back out of that tower. When you mm-hmm. when you did combat and stuff, otherwise you missed it. I mean, it 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 didn't it, it waited for no man. It just shot numbers at you. Yeah, that's right. There was a real time aspect to the original return uh, to the original Dark Tower that we decided was not critical uh, yeah. for the game experience. Yeah. Um, although you know the 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 game running combat for you because in the original you you would say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna fight this you know the monster or I'm gonna go into the tower or whatever and you would just you would just hear the sound effects and it would give you a tone uh, a tone up if you won and a tone down if you lost uh, and and I, I thought I really liked what you all did with combat in this one in that the the the, the brains of it which is moved now from the tower to the app. Um, uh, uh, does a very good job of you know giving you a little bit of control you know in, in yeah, selecting we, the battle cards and the uh, the advantage uh, uh, advantages that you can use. Um, so yeah, uh, so touch on that, like the the advantages mechanic, like how did that kind of come about? Because I, I thought that was a really interesting mechanic for combat. That was a fairly late addition. Um, we. Wanted to make sure that we were delivering on the tension without the anxiety, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, so we still wanted a sort of push-your-luck element to the game in some capacity, but we didn't want it to be real-time. Mm-hmm. So at the time that I joined, uh, we had just started to hit on the idea of there were things you could do to mitigate how much uh, you, you you suffered when you fought the uh, the adversary and their foes. Um and eventually we hit on the idea that, you know, certain pieces of equipment would be better against certain foes. And rather than give you a across-the-board bump with a piece of equipment helping you fight everyone, we wanted to really kind of drill down and make it so that some things may help you feel more thematically better against certain foes and maybe not others. So we eventually settled on six different tags and... Uh, initially, all that they did was there was a number that was adjusted up and down by the number of advantages you had for that. So if you were fighting against a humanoid foe and they said, lose 12 warriors, but you had four advantages, you only lost eight. And once we settled on, uh, we, at this time, we weren't sure exactly what was going to be in the app and what was going to be on the table. So we initially had it as some simple math that got done. Once we decided that combat was going to be in the app, then we freed ourselves up a lot more. Uh, And then there were a couple different ways that we went before eventually settling on, you can just apply an advantage to make the card better. I think at one point we had, it would read off text, and then it would say something like, uh, lose 12 warriors, and then there were two buttons at the bottom. um, One that said, humanoid advantages and one that said melee and you could tap those and the text would change as you toggled those on and off. Um, and the thing that we didn't like about that was that you could see what the result was before deciding whether or not to spend the advantage. Ah. Um, so you could kind of peek at the next page, so to speak. Yeah. And we, on top of being a difficult thing, UI wise, uh, we also didn't like that. It helped remove some of the tension. You could see when it was safe to, to peek around the corner and and spend an advantage or not. So we, we kind of hid some of that from you. So now when you decide to fight, you can click on uh, a card to improve it. Um, and at this point, I'm, I'm going to keep uh, revealing more about where we were at the state as I explain stuff. At this point, we also still... Uh, we displayed all five cards or all four cards or all three cards that you were facing all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, again, fairly cluttered. But if you were fighting the adversary, we would show you all five cards that you're going to face with the adversary, and you could choose where to apply your advantages. Okay. And uh, eventually, we decided that, hey, for the adversary, the big big boss at the end of the game, what if we made it a little bit more tense, and you only get to see one card at a time, and then you can run away or continue? 
And we played that precisely once. I built a physical prototype of it. And we immediately, I think halfway through that combat, stopped and said, we're doing this for everyone. Because it dramatically increased the amount of tension with regard to how bad a card could be. And it was always this kind of payoff or, or, or weighing that you have to do between, oh, I could really max this card out and probably get a good reward at the end of it. But then I won't have anything left if the other card is bad. If it's mediocre, I'll be okay. But if it's a bad one, I'll be in trouble. And we really liked the questions that that uh, one-at-a-time aspect was asking. Mm -hmm. So we started with all of the cards on the table, and you get to see what happens when you apply advantages. Then we removed... You get to see what happens when you apply advantages. Then we removed all the cards on the table until we eventually got to screen of one-at-a-time. You get to see what's happening decide how good or bad you want to, well decide how good you want to make it using the resources that you have at hand and then you get to see what happens next and that gave us a good mix of control and tension that we really liked uh, and stuck with for almost the entire development cycle after we hit on that the one last thing that we changed was that initially you could always run away and we decided, you know what, this is still a little bit too easy and also a little bit too mathy, ticky-tacky. You might forget to remove the foe. Um, or you might remove the foe because you were certain that you were going to, but then you ran away or whatever. So we, in order to uh, make it more likely that you could gain corruptions during the game, we said, if you decide to fight a foe, you're fighting the foe. You are going to kill the foe. And the question is, at what cost are you killing that foe? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we, we kept the ability to run away in uh, for the adversary, but for the rest of it, you're now kind of locked in, which, again, helped add to that tension of, I, I can't just decide to, you know, fully improve this card and then run away, and then I'll let someone else deal with it. Instead, it was, I've decided to fight this guy, and now I need to make the best of it. Um, so that's that's how the the combat system changed from the original, which was, Essentially, the only decision you had was when to retreat. Um, and it would basically flip a coin to determine who won. Mm-hmm. And um, let me see if I remember this correctly. If you won, the number of brigands that the tower had was cut in half. And if you lost, you lost a small amount. Yes. If, if you won, so if, you're fa- if you were facing ten brigands and you won, it went to five. Right, uh, and then uh, it's and then, and then it would would go and then it would like from five to three or two. It, it, I can't remember if it rounded up or rounded down. I don't I don't remember that. Um, right. But if you lost, then you would lose. Uh, it was, but it wasn't the same number every time. I think you could it was lose. Some, it was yeah, like it was some random. It was like basically like a die roll. You it, lost it was like whatever it was one like, one three or five or something like that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then um, it would ask you. Yeah. Curtain a little bit. I had a question about the cards. Yeah. Uh, so how did you determine what pool of cards to draw from and how severe they would be versus not in a pool? I know that the, the creatures escalate in difficulty and danger as the game progresses. Mm-hmm. But for the starting level, what was kind of the thought behind how difficult will this pool of cards be for a, for an enemy versus adversary kind of thing? Yeah, so initially, um, every single foe had their own completely unique deck of cards. And... Uh, sometime around the middle of development, we decided that, you know what, we want there to be some cards. There was too much uncertainty when you were going in uh, and being able to predict what was going to happen, so we decided that all of the humanoid foes were going to have some cards that were similar to each other. So there was a humanoid pool of cards, and then there was a stealth pool of cards, and there was a beast pool of cards. So if you were a stealth beast, you'd have some cards that were in common with all other stealth uh, foes, some cards that were in common with all other beast foes, and then some that were still unique to you, uh, including a critical hit. But the way that we determined the amount that they took um, is actually, broadly speaking, solely dependent on uh, how much of on how many advantages you have applied and the um, the level of the foe. Not in terms of one, two, three, uh, two, three, four, or five, but in terms of ready, lethal, or savage. Okay. Uh, so if you if you look most. Of the cards that are at uh, a, a dragon's uh, magic card, um, yeah, magic card is not going to be significantly worse on average than um, a, a level two magic foe's magic card. 
but they have more cards, um, which means you have to get through more before they become positive. Um, and then the the kind of we, we had a little bit of uh, rough math on how much we want certain cards to be taking at certain levels to try to match the economy of warriors that you're gaining if you're taking as many as you possibly can versus as you're not taking any. Um, and basically just aiming for the middle of the bell curve. If you're grabbing the right amount, then you're kind of going to be on track. And if you're maybe getting a little unlucky, then you have to grab some more. If you're getting a little lucky, you don't have to grab as many, that sort of thing. Uh, but the the amount of variance that ends up being in the game by virtue of each one of these cards is drawn from a digital deck and it might not ever draw the crits means that uh, we can't be super precise about how badly they're going to hit. And yep. that's actually a good thing uh, because it means that, you know, you get those high moments or low moments where, oh, we got really lucky or man, we got really unlucky. And if we were balancing it too finely to, to match the economy, then you wouldn't be able to get moments like that. So to some extent, we just left it up to luck, but we kind of tuned the range around the middle of the bell curve. Okay. We we noticed that. There was a couple of times it was like, whew, that was easy. And the other one's like, man, I don't think we could have beat that one. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we weren't making those decisions. We just put the possibility space out there. Yeah. He went in and uh, he fought a foe with like six warriors and did it easy. And I went in with like 30 and died and brilliantly. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's that's what happens. Yeah, uh, the, this past weekend we we had uh, the local gaming convention here in Lexington, Kentucky. This past weekend, and I ran, uh, I think I ran four or five sessions of Dark Tower, and and everybody who played loved it. But the the first session that I ran on, on the weekend was. We got we were I was I was basically doing a learn to play you know and and mm-hmm. and teaching the game, and so we were doing the the standard uh, you know Ash Strider uh, 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 Treasures of Ascal uh, scenario right, mm-hmm. and uh, so that first game it went all the way down to the last card uh, of the foe, okay, so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I like to hear. Uh, I forget. I forget which one it was. Uh, I forget which character was fighting. It might have been the 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 arc right. The uh, it was. Yeah. Okay. So he was fighting him, and he got all the way down to the last one, and he only had one corruption. Okay. So he's going into the last card. He only has one corruption, and he's like, he's like, this this is it. He's like, even even if I even if I can't beat this next one, you know. Because we were curious whether he should retreat or not, because he was low on he was low on warriors and spirit, and he's and like he had no advantages. He, uh, well, he he, he had one he, left. He had spent one yeah. Left. He had one left one advantage left. He had he was low on warriors, low on spirit, but he only had one corruption. So mm-hmm. he's like he's like, but even if I can't do what it says and I have to take a corruption, we still win, right? You know, he's, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. So it's like, well, let's go. So he goes, and it's the critical that you can't improve that adds a skull to every uh, every building in Ashtrider's current kingdom. And every yep. building in that current kingdom currently had three skulls because of a previous event. <laughs> so it destroyed all the buildings, which, of course, gives, like, technically three or four corruptions to, uh-huh. the, to, to the owning player. And I'm like, well, crap, we just lost. Like, we lost on that card with that critical hit. Um. Now the only thing is, when that happened, uh, I didn't see a way in in the app right there to tell the game we lost because the only thing I had was confirm. I think you can hit confirm. No, yeah. there should be a little icon up at the top that's like a crying eye. Yeah, I know that this it's the surrender icon in in the main app, but I didn't see it. I don't know if I just hmm. didn't look for it because um, I, I don't have an image of of what the app looks like on the top of my uh, top of my desktop or anything, but. I'm pretty sure there's a way to surrender in the middle of combat. Uh, okay. If there isn't, we'll definitely make sure we take a look at that. Okay. So uh, that was the game we thought was maybe a draw because we couldn't figure out how to re- record it as a loss, and the game said we won, so we're like, well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm recording <laughs> it. Yeah, that would be a loss. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm recording yeah, it as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> in multiple corruptions are in there by design because the uh, the story you're telling me is not, uh, strictly speaking, a unique one. <laughs> Throughout most of playtesting, we had this issue where if the hero was going in and they had zero corruptions, then they only had to beat three of the cards and then didn't even have to pay attention to what the rest of it said. Yeah. So we obviously we didn't like the anticlimactic way that that felt. Um, now, sometimes that could feel nice, but we wanted there to be a chance that instead you would lose. So we made sure that uh, every adversary has a couple things up their sleeve. One, uh, a lot of them have ways to give you more than one corruption at a time in a single card. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you can't improve it, then you might be out of luck. Uh, and the other thing that they have is a way to give corruptions to people who are not the active player. Um, so whether that's giving corruptions to whoever the kingdom it happens to be in, mm -hmm. or deals damage in the form of warriors to all players in the Eastern Kingdom, and you're like, I'm not even in the Eastern Kingdom, what's going on? Uh, but we wanted to make sure that each of the foes had some sort of element with them where if you prepare for that as well, you can probably be certain that if you're going into zero corruptions, then everything's going to turn out probably okay. But we wanted to reduce the amount of certainty that you had. Um, and we did that by allowing some cards to result in a loss, even though they were your final card. Um, and that was that was an important and deliberate design decision. Well, it, uh, it, it worked, <laughs> and it worked beautifully because, yeah, you know, like I said, last card of the of the adversary, it's that critical. It literally obliterated an entire kingdom. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it yeah. doesn't always have to come down to that, but we wanted to come down to it enough. Yeah, yeah. No, Our it, second game was similar. Our first game, you know, we're learning. We knew, you know, we lose. Okay, fine. Well, do we want to replay this, or we want to start over and pick new stuff? Let's pick new stuff. Let's just see. We all had new characters, and we're all like, okay, this is better. I like it. We're doing great. We're going to win. No, we died. I mean, it was like, it just turned. It was like, we were doing so well, and we're all patting our backs, and it's like, these new characters are great. I'm finding my stride. How did we die? What just happened? Nope, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it, it's funny that you mentioned how, how quickly it turned because we, that was also to a degree, maybe not precisely a deliberate decision. What we didn't want to have happen was a long, slow death spiral. Uh, we wanted to make sure that if the game ever reached a point where you were, maybe you could win, but you were unlikely to win, that if you didn't pull out quickly, you were going to lose. And we want we didn't want to prolong your suffering, turn it into like a two hour game where for one whole hour you're like, yeah, we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose. There's nothing really can really do. Um, we wanted things to go downhill or resolve themselves quickly. Hmm. You, um, you did a great job at that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it's not gonna always be that way, you know. Like the luck of the draw does does play a factor, but we we definitely did want to to put people out of their misery a little bit. If, well, if you're, you know, if you're going to die, why not die gloriously? Right. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I, I still remember getting a very funny message from, uh, Tim, our engineer, uh, after he had been doing some play testing and they ended up losing the game, like the second turn of month two, uh, because he wanted to see what happens if he went and fought a frost troll. Wow. Um, and he didn't, he didn't have any advantages <laughs> and then they lost the game. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, but stories like that, we wanted the, the stories of loss to sometimes be just as fun as the stories of winning. Um, that's, that's important. It is. It is. If you're not having fun when you're losing the game, uh, then, then you're not going to play again. So we yeah. wanted to make sure that if you're losing, it's fun. And also it stops before it stops being fun. Yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, this weekend I had a situation where, uh, one person, uh, like the tower decided to pick on him and like, like every skull <laughs> was coming out in his kingdom, you know, uh, the rest of us were, we would get like little events, no events, but then they'd come around to him and he'd just get all kinds of stuff would happen and everything. And he's like, really, you know, come on. And, and, and I said, I said, I told him, I was like, that, that's exactly the response you're supposed to have. Cause you're supposed to love the game. Hate the tower. Exactly. 
I I want to pull back. I I'm risking a little bit by pulling back the curtain here, but that is not planned. The experience is planned, <laughs> but the behind the scenes that leads to that is not. Okay. The the tower is uh, a little dumber than people give it credit for. But <laughs> there's but. Thanks to some really nice UI and and sound effects and engineering uh, by our engineers, it feels like it was in, intentional. And what that means is that when one player inevitably hits the bad luck, because we have a lot of events that are luck-driven in the game, someone is going to hit a bad run at some point. And you're not going to remember the, the times when everything kind of washed out and you rolled mostly sevens on 2d6. You're going to remember that time when you rolled 12, 12, 12, or 2, 2, 2. Mm-hmm. And think, oh, we either did amazing, and you get to ascribe that to your own personal skill and, and expert tactics, uh, ta- yeah, <laughs> tactics. Or you get to ascribe it, oh, the tower was just picking on me. And having the tower feel like a living, breathing entity that was picking on someone was actually another way of making losing feel more fun. Uh, and and another way to just uh, emphasize and and give an outlet for for any bad luck, because if you have bad luck, you can be like, oh, the tower was just really, <laughs> and it helps turn it into a story instead of just, yeah. Then I rolled three ones in a row and we lost. Well, that's not as good a story as this evil malevolence in the tower deciding that you in particular in the north <laughs> were going to get hammered. Uh, I, I will tell you that actually we did have a bug very early on before we had a physical tower and we had in our app, uh, you would just say, hey, app, I have dropped a skull into the tower. And for about a week, we had a bug where the North Kingdom was the only kingdom that had skulls for the first eight or nine turns. <laughs> and then we actually, Bjorn comes to us and looks in the goes, ah, I found a bug. Things should be more even now. <laughs> and, and Tim, who had been playtesting, uh, felt very vindicated because he happened to be sitting in the north for three different games and was like, the tower is just picking on me. This is ridiculous. And it turns out that for him in particular, for those specific playtests, yes, that's what's what happening. <laughs> it was outfitting. For everyone else, it's it's a it's a fun story that is emergent from from strings of bad luck. <laughs> I really like the the design on the tower. Having not played the original and not really knowing what I was getting into, um, the tower was set up when I first started playing. So the uh, magic of all the sounds as it's going, and then as we start to reveal the need, I mean, you know, you kind of have an idea of how things are working, but, you know, and then looking for the lights, you know, whose, whose side is it on? Which one is it? Is it the top? And then, oh, I mean, it, it, it is amazing. Thank you. Um, Yeah, no, our engineers did a fantastic job. There was a lot of back and forth figuring out how bright are the lights? What color should the plastic be? You know, how loud does the sound need to be? Where should we put the speakers in the tower? What should we put it in to, you know, maximize the resonance um, to, to make sure that it's not feeling muffled or plastic or tinny? Um, there was there was a lot of design that went into getting all the lights in just the right spot, uh, making sure the materials were correct so that they did the right silhouette. Um, and And... Yeah, we, there, was, there was a lot of work behind the scenes to, to make that theatrics come through. So I'm really glad to hear that it is. It is nice. And the way it changes, you know, it, it's, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, man, I can't I can't do this without a penalty, you know. And then the next turn it goes through and it changes. Yeah, now I can. OK, great. Um, I mean, it, it just all the different parts add to the experience. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the game. Um Awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, you talk about you know the the the. Uh, I think this would be a, a good time. We we've kind of gotten into it, touched on it a little bit. Is is the actual app and you know the fact that the game is app driven and and you started touching on it and stuff. Uh, one one of my favorite things with the game and, and I determined it was my favorite thing even before I got the game because I went ahead and downloaded the app. You know, uh, when I when they when they locked I think when they when they locked my shipping address I'm like oh, okay I'll go get the app so I can kind of I was gonna mm-hmm. try to familiarize myself and I absolutely love this is when you turn on that app uh, and it says uh, uh, turn turn on the tower and make sure it's you know on a flat level surface. 
and you have two buttons. And, and one says, I think, start, and the other one says, what tower? <laughs> For anyone who may happen to d- download the app without knowing what it is, uh, I just I just love the way that just what tower i don't it, it was just great it made me made me chuckle and, and it does every <laughs> single time i see it yeah um, well uh it turns out there are actually a number of emulators of the original uh floating around on on various play stores yeah. um and that was one thing we noticed and we wanted to make sure that if you downloaded this thinking it was going to be that sort of experience or a pure digital experience that uh we wanted to communicate clearly and quickly that no, 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 this is an accompaniment to, to a physical object that you need to be possessing in order to uh, use this app. Yeah. Uh, um, how, how early in the development or, or was it even, had it already been determined by the time you came on board that they would move the, the AI, the brains of the game from the tower. Oh, immediately. To it was immediate. It was just no brainer. It, it was, it was basically immediately. We determined that, you know, it, the, the phone that you have in your pocket is more powerful than the ones that they use to send people to the moon. Mm-hmm. So why instead try to recreate uh, what would ultimately be a, a scaled-down, pre-built version of another phone that would end up in your uh, in, into the, the tower itself, when instead we could rely on the one that nearly anyone who's going to play this game already has? Mm. Um there's plenty of computing power there. And instead of trying to drastically increase the cost of the tower and then need to pass that cost on to consumers, uh, we, we instead just said to leverage the, the computing power that everyone already has access to. Uh, yeah. and, and instead try to make the tower seem intelligent and malevolent in other ways. Um, and I think we did a pretty good job using the, the lights and sounds that we did end up putting into the tower to really help make it feel like it's interactive without the computing power needing to be housed in that yeah um and and yeah that was that was a pretty early design decision um it this tower would have been uh even more grotesquely expensive than <laughs> if if we had to put a, a, a basically a phone inside it uh so we we elected to not do that right. well, as far as the, as far as the app goes we did have a question we noticed that when the app was running that you had this ambient music that played on occasion, but not during the entire run of the game. It would go away for periods. Usually when an event would happen or you change months, you get a musical background, but then it would go away. We found ourselves missing the music. <laughs> I, I, think that, uh, I think that was actually a deliberate decision. Um, I wasn't involved in a lot of the uh, effects design, but I believe it was decided deliberately not to have uh, the same music playing for the entire, you know, two hour experience, uh, mostly because it would get a little too repetitive. Uh, so instead uh, having interludes and, and cutting that back out and allowing it to wax and wane, uh, you know, we didn't have a full two hour score orchestrated. So we didn't want to, Oh, you didn't hire an orchestra to. Oh. <laughs> it was considered. No. <laughs> considered, but uh, ultimately, I believe we elected not to do that. Cool. No, I, I, you know, I think the music in it yes. is good, um, but yeah, we kind of. We would notice it's gone. Yes. Well, I also like, and I think some of the if you had the music playing the entire time, because uh, I do like the music, but I think it may have. Did detract a little bit from some of the effects of the tower because I do really love it when the tower like flares up and does like the uh, like the clock ticking sound effect mm-hmm. coming back off. Uh, that that was one of my favorites. Yeah, um, we definitely wanted the tower to periodically mock people who were taking <laughs> too long. So if it doesn't get a signal that someone has taken their turn and dropped a skull into the tower after a period of time, it will fidget. Uh, <laughs> Gets, gets impatient to with remind you. <laughs> yeah. If there's going to be someone reminding you, hey, you're taking too long, it's not, we'd rather it be the person that we already want you to hate. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question. So one of the things that, which we opted not to do because we wanted to try new characters and basically all the different cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but Scott had showed us that 
you could get a, a number or a code so that you could replay your exact same scenario. And I would like to know uh, kind of when did you decide that, you know, and how what what brought that decision on? So pretty early on in the development of the app, we realized that we're going to have to randomly generate some stuff uh, in order for the game to be different from game to game. Now, if you know anything about programming computers in general, it's that they're actually really terrible at generating a random number. What they're really good at is develop is generating a pseudo-random number. And as long as you don't know what their seed was, it will feel random. But we do have to input a seed. So what we decided to do was to actually use that seed for a lot of the stuff that is going to be in the tower. Now, not everything um, is going to be driven by that. But if you put that same seed in, you're going to get the same foes. Um, I believe you're going to get the same events in the same order and the same timestamp. And I, there are a number of things that you're not going to get the same. The combat cards are not going to be exactly the same um, to imitate you know, more of a shuffling of a deck. Um, and there are a couple other things that are not going to end up being precisely the same. But there is going to be a lot of continuity if you plug that exact same seed in because you're like, oh... If only we had known that these guys were going to do something a turn earlier, then we could have really prepared for it. Well, you can. We didn't want it to lock in everything because there's a, there is a there is a tower and you are dropping skulls. And that is some physical randomness that is not going to be represented by your seed. Uh, the decks themselves are going to be shuffled in a way that is not represented by your seed. So we didn't feel completely beholden to tie everything to that seed. But we did want, pretty early on, there to be this ability to... Play the game, have your experience, and be able to kind of pitch it to your friend and be like, this was a really hard game. You try. Um, because there are we because of the way that we have some generated stuff, again, you can get very unlucky. You could have some extra spawn events. You could have turns that are um, shorter than, than normal, one after another after another. And... That can make the game really hard, which will make for an interesting experience that you can then inflict on your friends. <laughs> well, along those lines, Scott Scott had us uh, kind of built up because he followed a lot of the game online. And several people have been posting that they didn't feel it was worthwhile to go after the monsters to spawn. Just let them run around and do their thing. <laughs> so we ended the game thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just ignore these bad boys. And that, that, was, a, that was a mistake. Yes. We don't. died. Gloriously. <laughs> don't do that. So, uh, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ignore them. <laughs> um, now, one of the cool things, actually, that, that does bring up a point I wanted to mention. One of the cool things about uh, having an app drive a couple key things in this game, it drives uh, when the foes do their thing and when, in fact, everything happens, uh, and also how hard they are in combat, which means um, we, we are now collecting data on, on people's games, which you're opting into as you, as you download the game and play it. Uh, and we're able to get a sense it's it's anonymized and everything, but we're able to get a sense of how difficult uh, certain games are, which means if we realize that, Hey, you know what? People are just winning more often when shadow wolves are in the game than when they're not all other factors being ignored. Shadow wolves are making the game easier compared to everyone else. Well, then maybe we mem them up just a little bit. We can make so that a couple more cards are a little harder than they were last week. Uh, That's one of the things we were going to ask you, is how often has the app been tweaked and updated? We're, we're, we're certainly, I, I did say last week, but we're not, we're not doing a weekly patch. Um, okay. I don't want to give anyone that impression. <laughs> yeah. We are going to, broadly speaking, do uh, passes where we collect data, analyze it, uh, figure out what's working, what could stand to be a little bit better balanced, and make probably a handful of changes over the course of, of the game's life without... You know, being like, ah, this month we're we're tweaking it so that all the shadow wolves now have hats. <laughs> uh, we're, this is not going to be that sort of experience. We are we're going to be uh, trying to get things so that they're they're all overlapping the bell curve uh, in in some capacity, and uh, and and then we'll we'll stop tinkering and futzing with your game. Um, but we do have the ability to do a little bit of balance that you don't see in a game that is purely analog. Uh, without something like a a patch expansion, yeah, yeah, um, which I personally like um, the ability to do because uh, as a designer, there is never going to be a time when I am uh, done designing my game 
only when it is time to publish it. Uh, so yeah. being able to go back in and be like, ah, just one more thing, I just changed <laughs> And being able to actually do that is, uh, you know, it's it, it helps me personally a lot. <laughs> that's, uh, real, that's really cool. Well, uh, so I, I guess that, that you know, talking about all that and, and everything would be a, a good uh, segue here into uh, just just curious because uh, it also does give you the ability to to do expansions without physical components or even with physical components because you, you could add new stuff, you know, possibly to the app or even full expansions. I don't know, you know, but uh, just curious if... Uh, what's been talked about or anything for the future of the game uh, and, and, you know, all that good stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of expansions, uh, Justin made this announcement a little while ago. We are looking at uh, creating an expansion, uh, a second one. So there will be the base game, there will be alliances and there will be a, uh, as yet unofficially titled expansion, uh, which we will be uh, making more information available uh, soon. I will say that for now we are playtesting it. Uh, we do have uh, some people that are playtesting. Uh, it has new heroes. It'll have new treasures, and it'll have some other new mechanics that manifest themselves uh, in a way that you can see and 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 help build some table presence. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much more than that, but we are playtesting it, and as part of that, it does give us the opportunity to create more digital elements of that expansion. So. Uh, this being an app, we can have different elements that reflect that. You say, hey, I'm playing this expansion, then it can change elements of the game to reflect that. So if you say, hey, I'm playing Alliances, it will now have give a third string of quests that are the guild quests. We can do similar things like that where we say, oh, well, you're, you're playing this expansion. We're going to actually change what some of the foes do entirely. Um or we could, uh, you know, we, it, it gives us the ability to to modulate some of the core elements of the game uh, in a way that is more seamless than you might see under traditional expansions. Where if if a more traditional game wanted to uh, change what the core monsters did, they basically have to print a new deck that comes in the game, and they say, hey, if you're playing with this expansion, put this deck in and take this deck out. And it's very obvious that now you are playing with the new deck and and what's in there. Um, and you have to remember to do it. Whereas with this, we can say, hey, I'm playing with this expansion, and it just makes all the changes behind the scene that it needs to make to make everything work, uh, which is uh, really convenient, um, both for the players and for the designers. Yeah. So yeah. There, there is an expansion in the works. It will have well, some more cool stuff. Uh, I'm excited to be able to talk about it more when I can. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to new heroes and new monsters. And just, just throwing it out there, if you need playtesters, uh, you know, just saying, we, we might <laughs> be willing, you know, yeah, just in case. But no, uh, I appreciate it. I'll uh, jot it down. <laughs> um, well, anyway, uh, so I, I think we are, we are approaching kind of the, the end of our, our time limit here. Does anybody have any, any final parting parting thoughts for our wonderful guest here? I've got one quick question. Yeah. Uh, what kind of bribes do you accept to make Scott's version of the app more difficult or easier? <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's a great question. Mm, like yeah, it. no. Well, well, first of all, we're definitely going to uh, need some some identifying information. No, I'm just kidding. We're not, <laughs> we're not making this game harder here for anyone independent. Uh, but uh, that would be pretty funny. It'd be it'd be a nice prank on Justin to uh, make his game in particular harder or something. We'll have to look into that. I mean, I'm not going to do that. Don't worry about it. Jordan, I'll talk to you. Uh, I actually have a self-serving question. Yeah. Um, regarding someone who may have wanted to back the Kickstarter, forgot to back the Kickstarter, got to play the game, really, really want to buy the game, will they have the opportunity to acquire the game? They will. We're going to have more news about this uh, soon, TM. Uh, but we are actually looking at uh, making this game available again. Uh, we're looking into uh, the potential for another crowdfunding uh, venture uh, where the new expansion will be available and also people will be able to buy the original um, assets that we that we have created. So, okay. uh, you know, uh, 
once we have finished in the meantime if you're if you're not quite that patient uh once we have finished fulfilling to all of our backers um we will be available to direct distribution uh we did print more than um more than were ordered so we will have some available for sale um but uh if, if you want some of the more specific kickstarter exclusive stuff um then i would i would I would wait, wait wait for the next Kickstarter or wait, wait for an announcement, uh, hopefully okay. coming soon. Excellent. Uh, yeah. It's a good question though. Uh, we definitely want to get this in as many people's hands as possible. Yeah, because it it, it is a really enjoy- like right now, if Scott said, Hey, let's go play some Return to Dark Tower, I would say eh, I'm I should be working, but no, let's go play some Return to Dark Tower. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and I'm just gonna put, I'm just gonna put this in here because it's part of the podcast. The not wanting to be in a slow death spiral, spiral, I do appreciate that because that is much different from a game like Star Trek Ascendancy, Scott. <laughs> I'm going to make any comments on other people's games. Uh, well, appa- apparently it's a, it's a that running... Is my, that's my personal opinion. It's a running joke on this podcast. We, we can't do a podcast without apparently mentioning uh, Star Trek Ascendancy. So, uh, I see. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so Jamie V, Jamie E, uh, anything final from, from you all? I loved it. Did I did too. Oh, good. Yes, it is. It is. It is a wonderful, wonderful game. Uh, anyway, uh, Noah, thank you very much for, for joining us and chatting about the game. Uh, uh, loved it. It was great. It was fun to have you. Uh, thank you very much. It was fun to talk. Yeah. And, uh, thank you all, uh, for joining us. Uh, if you'd like, uh, you can drop us a line at houserulinggames at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at House Ruling and on Facebook at House Rules Podcast. You have been listening to House Rules, a proud member of the Talk Nerdy to Me Podcast Network. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TN, the number two M Podnet, and check out our other great podcasts. Until next time, remember it's your house, it's your rules. Game over, man. Game over.